Welcome to Apple at Work, the podcast all about Apple and the enterprise. My name is Bradley Chambers, your host as always. This week on the show, we have Michael Covington from Jamf, who is the Vice President of Portfolio Strategy. Michael, welcome back to Apple at Work. Thanks for having me. Um, so, new, somewhat new topic for the show this week, something I've never really discussed, uh, although we probably should have because it's pretty important in the IT world, is, is lockdown mode. Um, on iOS, can can you take our listeners through exactly what is lockdown mode? When did Apple you know release it, and and really when would you use this? Sure, and I'm not surprised you haven't covered it in the past. It's relatively new. Uh, it was introduced in iOS 16, and it's a protection that Apple has baked into the operating system to effectively reduce the attack surface of an iOS device and. In their own documentation, Apple actually refers to lockdown mode as extreme. It's really intended for very specific individuals who think that they might be uh, under surveillance by a a state actor or a well-financed attacker. Um, And the way that it works is it effectively changes the way that the device operates. So certain applications and services are basically pared back. So to give you a few examples... Um, On iMessage, most message attachment types are actually blocked. Um, Some features like links and previews, they just aren't available. The the reason for that is that it prevents the device from reaching out to the internet and pulling bad things down to the device. So similarly, Safari and FaceTime, they block certain connections, um, connections from folks that maybe you haven't talked to in the past, or they prevent certain web technologies from being used. Uh, so really, really uh, cool technology to um, constrain the device uh, in terms of the attack surface. But I think just as important as what lockdown mode is, it's probably important that we talk about what it's not. Um, if the device is already compromised, activating lockdown mode doesn't stop malware from operating. And lockdown mode is an antivirus software. It, uh, it doesn't detect infections. It doesn't really offer the ability to monitor an already compromised device. What it does is really what I said at the start. It just reduces that attack surface so that there's fewer entry points that are available for an attacker to take advantage of. Yeah, so I, I mean, example I'm thinking through here is you mentioned like iMessage previews. Well, that has to go and pull down the open graph image, which is calling a web server, which is downloading an image. Well, let's say there's a unknown vulnerability about an image insertion and can exploit the device. Well, maybe you're concerned about that and you're traveling in a place where, you know, maybe it's an uncertain area. Maybe that's when you enable that. So it's not something you necessarily walk around with day to day, but that's sort of why you might enable that is to keep it um, from, you know, again, if you're in a you know tricky situation, but from downloading you know, and that's an you know, unneeded data downloads. Is that basically what you're getting at? That's exactly it. You know, we've seen a, a number of zero click exploits over the last couple of years, specifically targeting mobile users. It's how a lot of spyware is deployed these days. Um, and the example that, that you just provided is a great example of how some of the uh, initial attack uh, uh, is, is implemented. And so by preventing that from happening automatically on the device uh, is really a great way of... Um, of cutting off the uh, the attacker from some of those entry points. Yeah, again, not something that you necessarily. It's I, I guess a good way I like to frame it is this is not like low battery mode where you enable this at all. You know, uh, maybe daily, but this is a, you know again if you're like you said concerned about nation state attacks, well financed attacker. Um, yeah, definitely. So now that's the that's the the what is lockdown mode. You all through the um, Jamf Threat Labs. 
found some research for devices running iOS 16. What, what did you all find and, and what are the implications of that? Sure. I should probably start by telling you a little bit of context on how we stumbled into this discovery. Um, our threat researchers were really interested in exploring the, the full life cycle, if you will, of mobile malware. Um, I think some of the, the classic uh, things to research are the entry points into the device and methods to remotely control a compromised device, looking at C2 and data exfil uh, type techniques. Um, but what they were really focused on this time was looking at techniques that an attacker could use to stay resident on a device. So it's basically keep their position once they've gotten it. And so the, the discovery that we're talking about here today is a post-exploitation tampering technique that effectively allows an attacker to uh, limit the, the full system reboots from occurring, which allows them to really maintain their presence on the device that they've compromised. Um, and it's a, 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 a method that effectively um, tampers with uh, lockdown mode. And, and what it does is it separates, if you will, the iPhone's user interface from the actual system configuration uh, that it's representing. And so how this relates to lockdown mode uh, is that uh, a user on a, a compromised device is allowed to continue to manipulate the lockdown mode settings. And so they can go into the settings on their device, activate or what they think is activate lockdown mode, um, and the attacker's code actually prevents the system configuration from changing, but it provides all of the visual indicators that lockdown mode is actually on, including what looks like a reboot, but it's just simply a user space reboot so the, the attacker is able to stay on the device. It's really a, a fascinating uh, kind of new attack vector, which is tampering with the user's mind using the, um, the, the user interface of the uh, device that's in front of them that they've honestly come to, to trust everything that it tells them. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Mosul. Deploying, managing, and protecting Apple devices at work shouldn't be difficult or require several solutions. Mosul is the only Apple unified platform for business. By combining enhanced device management, endpoint security, Internet privacy and security, single sign-on, and enhanced app management into a single Apple-only platform. Businesses can now easily and automatically deploy, manage, protect their Apple devices automatically with one solution at an affordable price. With a solution for every business size and the best support in the market, start a free 30-day trial and see firsthand why Mosul is more than an Apple MDM. Mosul is everything you need to work with Apple. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. That's business.mosyle.com. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. Uh, kind of, it makes it almost even think like of uh, the you know what they dubbed the Mandela effect. You're kind of like really questioning what's what's happening here, and and it's in some ways the mm-hmm. you know the, really the worst situation. So, what are the what are the like? So again, let's say I am a chief security officer at a government contractor like what are the ramifications of a uh, exploit like this uh, the ramifications are, are quite simple it's that the attacker is able to stay resident on a device after they've compromised it um, i think the the ramifications for security leaders though are that now they need to start to think about how they evolve the training that they're delivering to end users um, in many ways we've started to train end users on the evolution of a phishing attack. If you think about this, this is another flavor of social engineering where you're effectively putting something in front of the user that's tricking them into uh, changing their behavior. And in this case, they may normally uh, be looking for indicators of compromise or indicators that their device is not behaving as usual. 
What this has actually done is allowed the attacker to hide some of those breadcrumbs um, and effectively let the user think that their device is performing normally when it's not. Well, we have in some ways, and I've, I'm just just as guilty here, kind of had two different minds when it came to cybersecurity over maybe the last 10 years. We were like, you were inherently more concerned about Mac OS and, and Windows and like traditional, you know, Desk, what you would class, classify as desktop operating systems, because they had more ways to be infected. Uh, you could, you know, load applications, and I think we, in some ways, took our guards down, particularly on iOS, because it's like so much. It's like, hey, all the apps come to the App Store, so Apple's seen them. You, you know, you, you don't have to run. There's not necessarily the the endpoint security solutions that there is for macOS. So you almost like took your guard down, which is exactly what you don't want to do. And as mobile devices becomes in some ways our primary computing device. And you think about the access that they have to corporate data, corporate resources, uh, the way you communicate with all them is just as critical as Mac OS. We, we really got to elevate iOS up there with Mac OS where we're just as secure, you know, concerned about that day to day. I think you hit the nail on the head in, the, in, in mentioning the applications. You know, we're seeing so many critical line of business applications being deployed to iOS and iPadOS devices now that they are truly the, the primary compute devices for many workers. And so often when we talk about these mobile devices, I think we, we envision the knowledge worker sitting at a desk with many devices in front of them that they can seamlessly move between. That's not the case for many of the users of these devices. Uh, we're seeing retail adopting iPads for point of sale. We're seeing uh, airline pilots utilizing these devices in the cockpit for navigation. Um, these devices are serving critical roles in every industry now. And it's really important that we start to um, think about the layers of defense that we want to put around them uh, to protect them just as well as we've protected the desktops and laptops that users have historically embraced. Yeah, I was just at a conference recently and, and all of the lead scanners were mobile devices. And so you think about the data, the corporate data these devices are accessing. And as you mentioned, your retail airline um, and, and in some ways, like you know, these most of your data lives in a cloud somewhere, whether that's Amazon, Google Cloud, Azure, et cetera. Mac OS is talking to the data just the same way as iOS. So even if you're not necessarily like, hey, I, I don't necessarily like use this application day to day, it actually has it. And, it. and think about these apps too, is so much of this code can be, you know, is, is put in, but then what it does day to day is not necessarily in code, but it's more of what, let's say, web servers it calls. Um, and so you don't know what, it, you know, necessarily could be compromised on the other end post-deployment of this application. Absolutely. And I, that's where we start to see kind of the blending of security and privacy coming into play as well, where it's not just the security of our corporate data. It's the, the privacy implications of the, the trackers that can be utilized to look at the users and devices as they uh, visit various web properties and, and actually travel now with all the sensors that are available uh, within these devices and the information that can be gleaned from them. Uh, I think it's really important that we start to think about all of that data holistically and the security models that we need in place to protect it. Okay, so um, we'll link to the uh, the blog that Jamp did that kind of details everything about this fake fake lockdown mode. So um, it you know not not fun end of the year things to to think about major security issues, but um, security is one of those things you can't put your hand in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. So I, I think it's really worth, if you manage 
uh, iOS devices and you're in any sort of sensitive environment, like it is worth in going and just reading through this blog um, to just understand like what you should be looking for. And like, as you said, this comes down to like, we, we have to be diligent and in, in, in training in users. I saw some meme today and it was basically like, Hey, how did they break in? That was complex, uh, complex hacker. Really be honest with me. There's, there's a, they, they broke in. It was uh, you know, major, major hack. Just be honest with me. Default passwords. Uh, you know, it's like we, the, the, in some ways, we took our guard down, like I mentioned, with iOS, and it's like we have to deploy the same cybersecurity vigilance um, on iOS as we do on the desktop. And just because these are somewhat sandbox devices um, doesn't mean they, they can't be compromised. Certainly, again, when you're thinking nation-state attackers, we've seen stories about this, about you know, the ability to, 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 to do this. Uh, and certainly, if we end up in the world where, um, and this is a top of discussion right now is like if sideloading is forced onto iOS by governments where governments claim that the app store is a monopoly and they, you know, that this could be even more of a concern. Um, and, and so going forward, so like we're on iOS 17 now, uh, again, go, go check on the, the details on the blog, but like if you could give a couple of takeaways for an IT manager who's looking to to up their iOS iOS security game for next year for their either you know hot you know retail health that's another one we didn't mention how often these devices are used in healthcare which that's life or death what should an IT manager maybe one or two three things they should do uh, next year. Great question. And, and I think just to, to, to keep it succinct, uh, iOS 17 is the latest and most secure version of, of iOS that we have to date. So starting with making sure that your, your devices are updated where possible, I think is a great starting point. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of new capabilities that are being delivered in the operating system. And this year alone, I think is a really exciting year for iOS because Apple introduced rapid security response. Not a lot of IT managers were ready for the patching cadence that they were going to need to have in place. Um, and so they just didn't have a process to deal with the RSRs when they came out and uh, ensure that their devices were applying these really nimbly delivered uh, security patches specifically for uh, the Apple devices. So I think look at your pack patching process, make sure that you're embracing the RSRs when they're made available. Uh, and if you uh, need some uh, analysis of what's there, you know, certainly look to, to the vendors that um, that might have some analysis available out there. Jamf is one that, that does that when the, those those updates are are provided. And then secondly, start to think about the layers of defense that you need in place to actually protect these devices and pull them into your IT stack. You know, there's management options that are available now for iOS on both corporate owned and BYO. This is something that we have historically not had for iOS. So the fact that we have a work container or a work partition that we can now effectively manage with really strong policies is exciting to me because now every device that's touching corporate applications and corporate data really should have some measure of security on top of it. Um, and then, you know, I think last but not least, uh, as we talk about iOS 17 and all the new capabilities that are in it, I always look at the, the hardware support list and you see that the, there's, there's always a few devices that fall off the support list. And, and, and now we're seeing that um, the iPhone XR and XS are the oldest of devices that now support iOS 17. If you have hardware that's older than that, now's probably the time to start to think about how you uh, can put an upgrade process in place to get the, the hardware now uh, uh, ready to support the, the latest software. Want to make sure that uh, you always have those protections across the board, not just uh, 
that you're running the the latest that's available for the the piece of hardware that's sitting in front of your users. See, that's this is really the conundrum of how great Apple's uh, design and and silicon has been in the last five to six years. Is it's actually very easy to keep all devices in use because again, particularly if battery life is like still pretty good because the devices are so powerful and if specialized applications, again, point of sale retail is a good example. Uh, if you've got, you know, 50,000 of these out in the field, like it is costly to upgrade them. And it's very easy to say, Hey, this old iPhone still works great. Our app still works. But again, if you're locked out of iOS 17, well then, okay, you actually have major security problems that could be there. And if early rumors are, are true, iOS 18 looks to be a pretty ambitious upgrade for Apple. So it's very possible you could see even more old devices fall off. So don't like if you're already thinking through that. So let's say you're running today the you know the the lowest bottom of the line device that runs iOS 17. You need to assume it may drop off with iOS 18. So you need to be planning today on how you're going to replace that fleet before iOS 18 drops out uh, or, or drops. And you know you're again then you're running an insecure operating system. And you make a great point. The most secure thing you can do, the easiest thing you can do, is to always make sure your devices are on the latest update that Apple puts out, which is challenging. There are always compatibility issues. I mean, nobody likes. I mean, there's probably a lot of us that would still be happy running Windows XP service pack too but you can't do that you know even if your application you know would still you know work great at the time security has dictated that we have to keep upgrading even at the risk of sometimes some compatibility things that we're going to have to address um you know ignoring ignoring security updates um is just as bad as, as you know in some way shipping things that you know break some workflows that you have to rethink so um again michael some great tips again Update your devices. Be thinking through how do I, you know, replace my old devices. And again, great point of if, if you are using some sort of BYOD program. Again, I'm just a good a good example is let's say it's healthcare. Uh, doctors use their personal devices, but maybe they use a, a voice app to take calls, uh, to chat with uh, other other doctors chat with other patients. Okay. That's a device, personal device that now has corporate data. Be thinking through how you can fold that into your management stack, not to take over the device, but at least secure the data that's that's on there and and keep that data separated from personal data as well as also the ability to pull that data off um, if need be. Uh, Michael, as we wrap up again, I'm going to put a link to the details of the fake lockdown mode into the show notes, but is there any final tips, uh, tips or information you want to share as we wrap up today? I think just come, it all comes back to layers of defense. You're never going to be perfect at every single layer all at the same time, but the more layers that you've got in place from getting the right hardware to running the latest OS to putting some management, some security software on your devices, that's really where you're going to be able to, to mitigate the, the risks that are presented to your business. So uh, just keep that in mind as you're starting to put your security program together for mobile as you roll it out. Thanks for the time, Bradley. Yeah. Yeah, it's thanks. Thanks for coming, Michael. I look at it as like uh, you play those old tower defense games. Uh, you have different layers of, of defense. That way, if they get through one, they hit hacker hits multiples. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. And again, check out the show notes for more details on Jamf's, uh release uh, from uh, their threat labs.